But I'm telling you, when Ham goes in and sees his father's nakedness, what's he looking at? His mother. And when Noah gets up later on and finds out what Ham did to him, how did he find out three months later? How did Noah find out three, four, five months later? Because Mrs. Noah's walking around with a... Mm -hmm. Now, does it make sense why Noah curses Canaan? And Ham walks in and says, ooh, mom's looking pretty fine. Yeah. And goes and does his thing. Goes and does his thing. Goes out, brags to the two brothers. Guess what I just did? And the brothers are like, what? So now you know why the Torah goes to great lengths for, to tell us that Shem and Japheth, they walk in. It's not about dad. For whatever reason, guys see guys all the time. Showers, ba you know, bathroom, out in the woods. It's not a big deal for guys. So it's kind of weird that it's like, I can't see dad. It's not about dad. They're walking in because they aren't about to look at their mother. Now you say, well, it doesn't say that Noah. Listen, if you're going to talk about Noah harvesting um, his grapes and then turning it into wine and drinking it, why would he do that alone? <laughs> so, Wait, so Noah's wife got I absolutely think Noah's wife got a little tipsy on the wine. They both went into the bedroom. They were going to be together intimately, passed out unclothed. Ham comes in later. Oh, hey, dad. I do. Oh my gosh. Opportunity. And what's so sick and sad is God had just, just destroyed every living thing on the face of the planet in, in hopes to wipe out, wipe the filth off the face of the earth. Let's wipe the corruption off the earth. Let's not have this sinful desire, this evil inclination. And you know what stowed away on the ark? Sin. Somehow, sin survived the flood. Because it's in their genes. It's in their genetic makeup. And I think, what an awful thing. You just watched the extermination of the planet and six months later, you can't help but have a forbidden relationship with your mom. Now this is conjecture. This is not in the Bible, but I am asking a very hard text what in the world it means. I know that Leviticus tells me what to uncover nakedness and what the nakedness of my father is, and that is the nakedness of my mother. And when I put two and two together, it just has explanatory power. Ham came in, saw the nakedness of his father, which the Bible does say that. Leviticus says he saw his mother's nakedness. What does it mean to see your mother's nakedness? Well, Leviticus defines it as to have sex with her. So I don't think it's a stretch for me to say Ham went in, had sex with mom. Mom conceived. And when Noah woke from his wine and learned through experience, in other words, I can see her pooch, what her 
what his youngest son had done to him, he says, cursed be Canaan because of you. Whoa. That's what I wonder if Canaan, yes, that Canaan, Canaan, the promised land, the land to which God will bring his entire people, he brings them to Canaan, but Canaan had to start somewhere. I'm talking about the land of Canaan had to get its name from somewhere. It came from Noah's youngest son, Ham, who was the father, maybe the first illegitimate or incestuous relationship in the Bible. So that's Canaan's beginnings. God eventually says they're going to be punished. Now, I am not saying this is an argument for genocide. As Christians, we ought not to have a problem with genocide. I am not saying that. I think we ought to have big problems with genocide. Yet, for us to say God is an evil God or he's an, uh, a terrible God because he allows the suffering and the death and the extermination of different peoples throughout the Bible, he's a bad God. I have to say, whoa. Put on the brakes. Hang on just a second. First of all, how dare us put our place in God's place? How dare we think that we know what God knows in order to say God had no right to kill all those Canaanites? If you read your Bibles carefully, what were the Canaanites guilty of? What were they doing According to Leviticus chapter 18. And their dads and their sisters and their brothers. The whole chapter 18 is about all the different sexual unions that God says no. God condemns bestiality and says if a woman has sex with an animal or a man with an animal, kill them both both the human and the animal. And in this way, you will sweep out the evil from your midst. God is serious about sexual sin. People say, well, all sin's the same, man. I beg to differ. It is not all the same. Read your Bible. Even Paul says, all other sins are committed outside of the body. Sexual immorality is the only sin that is committed inside and against the body. So yeah, God makes a distinction between sins. All sin is not the same. Um, you really think stealing a candy bar is the same thing as murdering and dismembering a little kid in God's mind? You really believe that? I mean, come on. Intuition tells us, no, sin. Now, is all sin equally repugnant to God? Sure. But is all sin weighed and punished the same? Not a chance. Not in your wildest dreams. We don't even do that in our human courts. So my point is, sexual sin is a big deal to God. And when the Canaanites are committing all kinds of sin, I mean, stuff you couldn't imagine, does God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge not have the right to bring down punishment 
on the entire nation if they're guilty? Does God, is a God, the, is God a God that punishes the innocent? That's not what he's known for. Do the innocent suffer sometimes because they're associated with the, the wicked or the evil? Yeah, it's called Caleb and Joshua. Those guys were faithful. They said, we got this thing. And God said, man, I love that. You guys are so awesome. However, I'm sentencing the entire nation to wander in the desert wasteland for 40 years. And Caleb and Joshua were like, well, we don't have to do that, do we? And God said, I'm sorry, but you do. Well, that's not fair. And God says, I'm, I'm sorry. Where were you when I was measuring out the foundations of the earth again? Where were you when I put Orion? I'm sorry. Did I consult you for the, that's what, that's what Job said he did. He put his hand over his mouth and realized he couldn't say anything. There's no, that's not fair with God. Is God subject to his own morality? Any more than a parent is subject to their own morality? Listen, Laura, I need you home by 11. If you're one minute late, your curfew is now nine o'clock. Can Laura turn around and say, well, hey, dad, uh, I tell you what, if you don't get up and mow the lawn by eight o'clock, then you're going to have to clean all the dishes. Can a kid say that to the parents? So are the parents subject to the same morality that the kids are? No, it's the parents' morality. They say, this is right for you to be home at 11, not 11.01. But the dad doesn't have to be home at 11 or else he pays a... Who is God going to answer to when God messes up? Himself. That's why God doesn't mess up. And I'm not saying that God's actions are good because God does them. That's why they're good. I'm not saying that God does things and, and things automatically become good. I'm saying God does something and it's good because that's who God is. God's morality is based on himself. He is the standard of morality. So when God wipes out the Canaanites, men, women, and children, we need to take a step back and really think about, does God do things that are unjust? Does God do things that are just based on, on a whim? God was having a bad day, so he said, wipe them all out. I mean, does that sound like God? No. Did God have good reason to punish? I have to trust that he did. And, and besides that, if I hold a, a, a biblical worldview, is death the end? It's not the end. So those Canaanites, maybe some suffered along with others that weren't doing incestuous, awful things, but they still died. Is that the end? No. Death is only the passage. So maybe God has plans for those Canaanites in the future of eternity to say, appreciate you guys are like Caleb and Joshua. Thank you for being a part of that. Well, you killed me, man. That wasn't fair. I know. But look, you get to live the rest of eternity in joy because you were a part of this thing I needed to do. At any rate, that's Noah's nakedness. <laughs> but it's pretty crazy. Guess who Canaan's grand, wait, Ham's grandson is Canaan's son. And you're going to see this legacy inside of the Canaan people. Who's Canaan's son? Nimrod. 
kind of a goofy name. Used to be a name you'd call somebody that did something dumb. You say, hey, you Nimrod. Let me tell you, Nimrod was not a guy that did something dumb. Nimrod was, the Bible calls him the, one of the first, if not the first mighty man. A man of renown. It means he was known all over the entire world. Because he was great at something. I'll tell you, he was great at architecture. He was one of the greatest builders of all time. He built Babel and he built the Tower of Babel. And I don't think we appreciate the Tower of Babel because in our minds, we're thinking, oh, okay, built like a, you know, Empire State Building up to the clouds, big deal. Um, not quite. And this is a dumb picture, but it's a picture nonetheless. Um, Babel, if you're interested sometime, watch this movie or come watch it with me. We'll watch it in fifth period or something, study hall. It's called, Is Genesis History? I don't know if you can appreciate the scale. Uh, this was their attempt. Uh, but look at the scale. Look at the trees. Notice those are trees are going to have people about that big because a person's going to be about one-eighth or one-tenth of the tree size. So you're going to have people down here. That's a massive. As you know, you engineers, what happens to my foundation? The higher I go, what happens to my foundation? It gets weaker unless I do what? How do I make it stronger? I got to go that way and I got to go that way. I watched them dig a hole in Santiago to build the tallest building in South America. It's in Santiago. It is impressive. But I watched, I thought they were going to hit China. Like seriously, they dug so far down. I'm thinking, when's the lava going to come up? You know, it's like, wow. And they said they dug so far down and so far out because the tower was going to be so tall. So the taller you need to go, the more Genesis is Genesis history. They show this thing like this. And it's just like these ruins. And they say, this was Babel. Babel, wow. And they show these little rocks like bird's eye view. And they said, no, no, no. This is the city of Babel. And then they showed the tower of Babel was like this. The whole city was here. The tower made this look like an eighth of it. So the size of the tower of Babel, and you think, ah, the ancients, they were just a bunch of old cavemen. They didn't know how to build stuff like we do. Are you kidding me? They built a tower that went into the clouds so much so that God said, whoa, 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 what's going on here? I need to do something or else these guys are going to get away with this. Crazy. So that's Nimrod. He's Canaan's son. He's Ham's grandson. I believe. Okay. I do think it served a specific purpose, and we're going to get to it right after this next little section. Keep that question. No way. It was an absolute picture. This is, this is Eastern thought at its finest. It was a picture to say, and I hate to do this, but you all know what this sign means, right? Or the middle finger. Same thing. When you do this, or the middle finger. Yeah. I didn't want to do the real thing because then it's like, oh, that's, that's tacky. But Babel is nothing more than a, it's what it is. 
and I'll show you that, is you're going to be like, whoa, that's not good. No, it's not good at all. Okay. God had just washed away the filth and the dirtiness of the earth, and Ham goes and does that. But remember, God had made a covenant, not with an animal, not with a human. God made a covenant with the earth. It's like the earth is personified. He made a covenant with the earth, with mankind, and every living creature upon the face of the earth. What was the sign of God's covenant? The rainbow. rainbow Been hijacked in today's society by a group that wants to redefine sexuality. Uh, I really have a problem with um, our LGBTQ plus friends and and brothers and sisters that I do love, and uh, I want them to come to know Christ. But I got a real problem with them hijacking God's symbol for his covenant of I will never destroy the earth again with water. Like, choose something else, you know. But it's fine, whatever. What you guys know about the rainbow? Well, there's no word for rainbow in Hebrew. It's not called a rainbow. Um, rainbow is a compound word. What's, what's the two words that make up rainbow? Rain, Rain and bow. So why, right? Why do they call it a bow? Because it's like this, and why do they call it rainbow? Because you see it through when light refracts through the water and usually when it rains. Now listen to this. The Hebrew does not say, I have set my rainbow in the clouds. The Hebrew says, God said, I have set my bow in the clouds. Whose bow? God's bow. What's the purpose of a bow? To shoot stuff to what end? To kill. What will God do if the world ever becomes so corrupt again that it needs to be destroyed? He won't destroy us. He'll kill. Where's it pointing? Which way is God's bow pointing? Nope, it's not pointing to the earth. His bow is pointing to heaven. Who's going to die if God ever needs to destroy the earth again? Isn't that powerful? It just makes me want to cry. If God ever needs to destroy the earth again, somebody's going to die, but it's not going to be us. It's going to be God. God says, I'll die if I ever need to destroy you again. Isn't that beautiful? I'll never destroy the earth again with water. If I do need to destroy the earth again, and I will... Let me set my bow in the clouds so that you know when you see that bow and which way it's pointing, I will die for you. This is the gospel in Genesis 9. One more time. Did I tell you Jesus is on every page? I love this. This is God saying, I will die for you so that you might live. How many colors does the rainbow split into? Seven, red, orange, yellow, green, purple, blue, violet. God's glory can be seen in the rainbow. When God's light intersects water, a beautiful refraction of light can be seen, split into the number of completion, wholeness, balance. Messiah may be likened to a rainbow. He is light. Listen to this. Jesus is light. The light of creation passes through the waters of baptism. 
and the brilliance of God could be seen because the Holy Spirit fell on him at his baptism. And God said, yeah, this one's my son. I'm so pleased with him. Listen to him, by the way. He knows what he's talking about. All right, Tower of Babel. Last thing we're going to do, just a couple of paragraphs here. Do y'all know what the story of the Tower of Babel said? Let's read it because I don't think we read our texts enough, but this class hopefully will change that with you. Now the whole earth had one language. This is important. And the same words as, oh, and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Bitumen is pitch, tar. What do you know about tar? When did God say use tar? And the ark, why? Because it's waterproof. So why are they building their bricks, not with mortar, but with tar? To make it waterproof. This is a clue of what the Babylonians, these people from Babel, what they're doing. They're not using stone. They're using bricks and they're burning the bricks. So when you burn a brick, what happens to it? It's what? It becomes hard and it becomes something proof. Fireproof. The bricks are fireproof and the mortar's waterproof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let's make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord God came, or the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, look, there are one people. They are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord babeled their language. Babel, Babel, Babel. That's where we even get the English Babel. The God babbled their language on all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So why did God react the way he did? What was their purpose in building Babel? To make a point in Western culture, we Westerners define things, right? The point is, and then we tell them what the point is. We dialogue, we describe, we use words to connect these abstract thoughts and ideas. A Jew uses a picture. Babel is simply a picture of what ought not be done by humans. What does this picture communicate to us? What does it teach us? We don't have to change. We don't need God. We don't fear God. And we don't hear God, nor do we believe God. 
We can defeat God. Humans alone can save themselves. And they prepared their bricks for fire from the heavens. And they prepared their beams for earthquakes. And they prepared their foundations for floodwaters. They were ready for whatever God could throw at them. But they did not prepare themselves. It was really cool. You want to send fire, God? Bring it on. We got fireproof bricks. Oh, you're going to try to destroy us with water again like you did grandpa and great-grandpa? Bring the floods. We got the tower and it's waterproof. What else you got? Ha! We, we can outthink and outsmart anything you can throw at us. Watch the movie Clash of the Titans sometime, the, the new one with Liam Neeson. It's a great portrayal of the gods just toying with humanity and they're just like little figurines on the wall to them. That's what Babel was to God. Bring it on. Where are you? Mm. Yeah, you know, it's this, oh my gosh, like you and I would be like, don't do that, Mr. Dean. Like God, God's not going to get mad at me doing that because he knows I'm not really doing that to him. But that's the idea. It's this, mm, you know, let's go. And God says, oh, good thinking. I probably wouldn't be able to earthquake. That's good because it's earthquake proof. Um, did you prepare yourself? And while they're posturing and eh, eh, all this stuff, God says, and it's like, ha ha, ¿Quién te crees, compadre? ¿Qué? And this guy's like, dude, what, what did you just say? He's like, no sé, no tengo idea. ¿Qué estaba hablando y de repente? And like all these, ich bin ein Berliner. And it's like, what? Deutschland, Schweinisch, schnell, schnell. You know, it's like, what in the world? And they're looking at each other and they're confused as their languages, German, Nordic, Chinese, you know, it's like, mom, what are you doing? You know, what in the world? Can you imagine how frustrating the people would be? Frustrated they'd be. Oh my gosh. Now keep trying to build your tower. You know, it's like, I don't understand you. Just bring me a brick. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Okay, you know what? I'll get it myself. <laughs> and it's like, they just abandoned it. Because God said, that's great that you prepared this and this and this. And that's a nice picture that you don't need me and you don't care about me. But I'm telling you, you need me. And I love you. And you, you wouldn't even have language if it weren't for me. And in fact, I'm going to show you. And so he confused their language. And that's the reason we have all these languages today. So, I'm telling you guys, the Bible is the most fascinating book in the world and when we put on our Hebrew glasses, man, it gets cool, doesn't it? Just gets really cool. So questions, comments about 6 through Babel, 6 through 11. No, yes. One. I mean, I, or uh, even observations. Yes. 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 Very interesting. There's God referring to himself in that plural again. Now, a, an Orthodox Jew would say, Riley, that is called the royal we. It's a grammatical phenomenon that royalty, who was, you might, you've studied language. So first person, second person, third person, right? First person's I, second person's you, and third person's he, she, or it. Well, to set someone's self apart from, there's my spit bubble, to, sorry, to set someone apart from other people, you can only do so much. You can only call them so many things. Your majesty, your highness, 
which is literally your, your altitude-ness, your highness, meaning you're higher than we are. Of course, they're just humans. So this way of distinguishing, I'm somebody important, I'm kind of a big deal, is now, it's not that I would refer to myself only in the singular. I'm so great, so magnanimous, so much bigger and higher than all of you peons that I'm actually plural. <laughs> it's the only other way we can do it. So a king would refer to himself using the royal we. So we think that we'll have some chicken noodle soup tonight, peon. Bring us a, bring us a plate of bread and bring us some wine. He's not talking about anybody but himself, but he's saying, bring us, bring us, bring us. So scholars, Jewish Orthodox scholars would say God is referring to himself in the royal we. That's not, that's not Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's just God speaking in the royal we. You and I have a different take on that. We'd say, wait a minute, who's God up there with? Well, he's not up there with Jesus because Jesus doesn't exist yet. Jesus won't exist for thousands of years. Now, the word exists with God. We know that that was the nature of Jesus before he was human. And we know God's spirit is there. And we know the angels are there. So maybe it's just God saying, hey, angels and spirit, let's go on down and see what's going on. Which is funny because why does he have to go down and see it? Why doesn't he just know what's going on? The experience, the yada. Let's go down and see. Exactly. This is God saying, I want to experience this with my people. It's crazy.